Thanks for tuning in to my Mostly True Story series. This is episode 3, probably of 303. Yes, I got stories alright. I hope this isn't the first or the last story of mine that you listen to. Uh, and do uh, leave a comment, share with your friends, and... Let the stories wander around inside. Maybe you can benefit from them somehow along your own journey. I hope you don't mind if I drink a little whiskey while we talk. It helps me remember and process the lessons. There's always lessons. Not sure... uh, why, but most people don't believe they have stories worth telling. That can't be the case, because our lives are a continuous story. We write the script and then live out the thoughts. Until you figure that out, you you probably assume that life happens at you and you have no control. I think we control much of our own story, not just with our choices but from our beliefs the stories come out naturally from our subconscious beliefs get control of those thoughts and you can create your story at your own will at least that's what I've experienced I've had many jobs when I was younger but I quickly learned that I don't play well with others and sort of need to be my own boss. Otherwise, it seems too much like slavery to me. And I guess I'm just that slave that keeps getting beat because I run off every chance I get. If you listen to my other stories, I like to remind you up front that I call them mostly true stories because over time we tend to lose the details and accuracy of our memories and we start to retell the previous tellings and that skews the story a little bit every time but I'm trying really hard to share these accurately I've been rich and poor three times in my half century of demonstrating my vast array of imperfections. In 1990, I think, um, I had acquired a contract from a large convenience store chain in Arizona. We stripped and polished the floors and had grown to several dozen employees. But the company we served filed for bankruptcy and left me an unpaid balance of I think it was $300,000 for a month's worth of work. We were in dire straits, but by the time I paid my employees and other bills, we had about $1,000 cash and very little fight in me. So I did what you'd expect. I went to the bookstore to think and search for hope. (laughs) My my wife 
and thought I was out looking for a job, but <laughs> I wasn't ready for that yet. I reckoned I'd been pulling rabbits out my ass for a decade. I could surely come up with a new trick if, if I just had some time to think. I found myself walking Niles of Bookman's Used Bookstore in Tucson, Arizona. I don't reckon it's still there, but... It was afternoon and deep into the summer. I'll explain it in another podcast, but I'm a dowser, meaning I can locate things and answers hidden. I've always had this unusual skill, and so... I just walked the aisles searching for a new way to escape poverty. I didn't actually look at any books. I just walked the aisles until I felt it. I knew it was somewhere in the store. I just had to get within a few feet to sense it. I eventually did. I stopped and turned. There was a... Oh, several of these homemade plywood tables with piles of romance novels or something worthless on top. But as I approached the table, I felt the energy under the table. So I bent down and there was an old heavy-duty cardboard box, waxy on the surface. It was a a fruit box with holes and graphics of pineapples, I think. Stacked inside were probably 70 or 80 magazines. They were old, dusty, and rather odd-looking initially, but they were the answer. I could feel it. If you saw a gold bar sitting on the floor, you you would know its value immediately. That's how I saw this box of old raggedy magazines. This was the answer to my poverty and failure. So I lifted the box and went and sat down in a big overstuffed chair to be mesmerized by my newly found hoard. After a few hours I went home and waited for my wife to get back from work. As soon as she did I pounced on her like a rattlesnake or <laughs> maybe the serpent in the tree in the Garden of Eden. I had put the girls to bed early and had my sales pitch all rehearsed. Now. I could sell a major company a multi-million dollar contract on a whim, but this was going to require some real salesmanship. I sat her down, opened up the magazine exactly where I had a page folded, and said in a dark, heavy whisper, I already know how to trap beaver. Look, look. A windmill generator powered by a stream. No wider than this damn sofa. 
I started getting excited and flipped through the magazine after magazine, article after article, talking about making bread, harvesting potatoes large enough to pull a muscle. I was born again, you some bitches trying to ruin me. I'm back. You don't stand a chance. I'll live on the bounty of nature and leave you all some scraps. All I needed was a knife, some black powder, and elk tracks. Nothing else but my grit and smarts. I ain't no loser. After about 45 minutes, I stopped and said, Well, can we do it? Can we go to the mountains of Montana and live like pioneers 200 years ago? No electricity, no running water, just from the sweat of our brows. We could do this. My wife looked at me and then made the second biggest mistake of her life. She said, I guess so. The next couple of months were a blur. Before I knew it, we had my 55 Chevy truck loaded to the brim, our two daughters strapped in the front seat, sharing a single seat belt. They were little, so they fit just right. They were three and four years old. My wife had about $1,500 cash, and off we went, out to the deadly desert and to the land of milk and honey built by God for tough bastards like me not meant for city dwelling we had hope I swear it the truck broke down from overheating I got out and could still see the damn trailer park we just abandoned and it happened another ten times before we made it to Phoenix but if there's something about me, it's this. When I make a decision, God steps aside so I don't leave my footprints all over his lily white robe. Ain't nothing stopping me. But honestly, by the time we made it to the sleazy motel on the south side of the city, I started to get concerned. The next day, a radiator shop installed a radiator out of an old Cadillac, I think it was, while my family sweat nearly to death. The bill was over $300, but the owner looked at us and offered me a deal I couldn't refuse. He said, why don't you just send me the money after you get settled in the mountains? Are you kidding me? Who does that? So I thanked him and drove off like a cat that had nine more lives. Looping around the south side, I hit an open stretch of highway, accelerated, and the aluminum fan expanded and tore into that thick but working really good radiator. Steam poured out, and there we were, again, stranded, middle of the afternoon, stuck on the side of the damn road again, a thousand miles from 
heaven and milk and beaver meat. You don't actually eat beaver in Montana, but I didn't know that yet. And that milk and honey, that was code for your ass ain't as leather rough as you think. I just needed to get north, somehow. And then I heard a voice. You need a hand? It was a 50-year-old man and his son, about my age. Although I don't remember their names, I will never forget them. They uh, gave us a ride to their home. It was just happened to be a salvage yard <laughs> with a, a junky trailer from the 70s, maybe the 60s, with about 50 tires on the roof to keep it quiet when it rained. These people were poorer than we were, and unlike us, they were stuck in this godforbidden desert. We popped hoods all afternoon looking for a radiator with a top right upper hose and a bottom left inlet. Nothing. Nothing. Must have looked at sixty cars. Then the young man looked at me and said, I know where one is if you want to go get it. I nodded and we ran into the desert. Me following, dodging cactus for about a mile. Arriving at a backside of another salvage yard. This one bigger. And not a homemade business, but one with guard dogs and barbed wire. Hand-painted signs. We both crouched and smiled at each other. He said quietly, It's no more than two rows deep. Light blue. He had a screwdriver, a 916 socket, and a ratchet. He had been here off in hell. <laughs> I think their entire home salvage was built from this place one part at a time. It was awesome. We jumped the metal fence and in less than three minutes we were headed back over with my ticket to wood stoves and howls from wolves at sunset. A sharp knife to gut animals I harvest from the bounty of God's wonder. I could see it. We grabbed the wife and kids and returned to the stupid broke-down truck. He installed the radiator in the dark. I just stood there. He then grabbed a bucket from his truck and ran across the street to a heavily lit neon building, a strip club. He obviously spent some time there because he knew exactly where the water spigot was filled the bucket and ran across the busy highway back to us without becoming pothole filler. I started the truck up and shut the hood. I then turned to the guy my age who had risked prison and death and worked all day in the sun to help me escape a place he to this day is still stuck in 30 day, thirty years later. And I said, so what I owe you?
grinned like he knew something I didn't. And he ran off into the dark and drove away. I just stood there, dumbfounded. As I think about it over the years, people that have had a tough haul in life understand bad luck real good, and therefore they are always willing to help and give. It comes natural for them, like breathing. I also think he saw my quest as his. He has probably imagined me out there in the woods hunting elk and panning for gold for decades now. I'm not. I'm in Kansas now. I'm sure his story of my mountain success is quite a bit different than what really happened. But I also hope his life turned out better than what I envisioned for him. Matter of fact, I bet the bastard owns that damn big salvage yard. I bet he has a bunch of sons that live nearby and work with their dad, selling city folk overpriced radiators and used tires. I reckon they go on vacation in Hawaii every year. And I bet they still help people broke down for free. Because some people are better than you and me. Some just use unconditional love instead of blood to get to heaven. Thanks for listening. Leave your thoughts and share this podcast with your friends if you're inclined. Let's talk again next week.